Hey there, and welcome to episode number 47 of Become a Guitarist Today with myself, Adam Roach. Now in today's episode, I talk to Lance Turner from the band Atomic Punks, which is one of America's top Van Halen tribute bands. So if you haven't seen them, do yourself a favor and click on the link in my notes where you can check out the band. They really are amazing. So in this episode, we, we talk about uh, learning Van Halen songs, we also talk about when he got to jam with Michael Anthony, uh, Van Halen's first bass player, at one of his gigs. Now Lance has also jammed with uh, Nuno Betancourt from Extreme, Mike Tran from White Lion, Michael Sweet from Stroper, plus yeah, heaps more. And also he's got a connection with Paul Gilbert from uh, Mr. Big, who I got to see last night actually for the first time ever in Australia. So Mr. Big did a big gig with Extreme. And I think every guitarist in Melbourne was at the gig, which was great to see. And it was an amazing show, but I will talk about that more next week. As I have the bass player from Mr. Big, Billy Sheen, on the podcast. So Lance also talks about his new original project called Mercy Phase, which hopefully will have an album come out real soon. And then we finish the interview with an exclusive. So make sure you listen to the end. Yeah, it's a great little uh, exclusive that Lance has. And I know I'll be looking forward to it, so check that out. Now, before we do go to interview with Lance, I'd just like to once again thank my sponsors, Living Music in Greensboro. And now they do have a new website out, which is in the link notes. You can uh, shop around and see exactly what they have for sale, uh, all their specials, everything. It's actually a really good site for Living Music. Now, my other... The sponsor is Custom Guitar Picks, which I was lucky enough to get some picks last week from, from Gus, who owns Custom Guitar Picks. Yeah, I made me have some picks last week, and you can check them out on my Facebook page on Become a Guitarist Today with Adam Roach. He actually did some tins for me as well, and then the quality of these picks are incredible. So don't forget, till the end of July, you can actually order your own picks. Go online, and then when you go to checkout, type in BAGT20, and that will get you 20% off your total price. And then you have freight on top of that, but yeah, 20% off. And I mean, the picks are already cheap enough, so go in, check it out, design your own picks if you want. So I highly recommend custom guitar picks. So let's go over this interview now with Lance Turner from the Atomic Punks. Hello. Hello, Lance. So we finally got in contact. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, which is completely my fault. Um, oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, and then and then it was crazy this weekend because it's you know it's Memorial Day weekend here, oh, okay. and uh, you know we got the one day off, and I, I was in Ohio over the weekend, Ohio, uh, kind of mid, you know, I don't know if you know where that is in the country. Yeah, you've, but, you've been uh, there before. You have? Yeah, yeah. I actually, got a band went over in nineteen ninety and played over in um, like Michigan around that Ohio way. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. It's the farthest we travel, or I travel, uh, you know, from California to, to, to do anything. So it took like three days to do a f- one freaking gig. I oh, mean, well. you fly the one day, you do the next day, which was Friday. We came back Saturday, and then Sunday I was just destroyed. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, and then today's kind of a big deal because my dad's a vet, you know. Yep. And uh, he passed away, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of a big day for my family and stuff. So I've just been thinking about him, and, yeah. and I'm like... I, he would really be so uh, blown away that somebody would want to, like, you know, talk to me about 
anything musical because I would say if anyone asked me about it, I'd say everything that happened to me happened because of how wonderful my dad was and how supportive he was because right. he was a military guy. So he was very, you know, either you do you do this or you don't do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's good that you'd uh, be you're proud yeah. of you then. <laughs> yeah, I just I especially today and you're calling on a day like today and it's just like yeah my dad was just absolutely instrumental instrumental haha and um in my current life yeah. you know what i mean just doing music and because he was like don't worry about it you know just do what you love to do so you know and i know a lot of musicians who had the exact opposite and they were like i i ran away from home and i dropped out of school and i did all that but i i was just doing it to make him proud you know and he's like all right you did good now because when he first saw me one of my biggest shows is in front of 38,000 people. And, you know, I got my parents in mm. and, and at least I got him. I, I was, he got to see that. So, you know, that's, ah, cool. I'm just thinking about that today. Yeah. So was he musical as well? Yeah. He, well, he, he was kind of a closet musician. He didn't because being from the South, you know, what's really cool was he was a, like a pro golfer in college. He actually played Jack Nicholson Oh wow. in college, which is like the guy, right? He yeah. actually, uh, you know, played with him and then he went to but he was a real he was a rotc and military so he went to vietnam in like november of 65 like the first battle like there's a movie called we were soldiers that was based on his unit that that there's a mel gibson movie it's actually about his unit so you know he, yeah. he was there but but when he came back he couldn't he you know he started a family and he really wanted to do more but um, when i was really young he got a drum set he was just a killer drummer he was like a real just hardly played, but kind of like a Don Henley thing, you know, where it's like, it's not, it's not that impressive to like, but it's like so much fun to play with a guy like that. So yeah. we, we chill out together, you know? So, um, wherever we lived, he always had a jam room for us growing up. And, uh, I played with him, you know, a, a lot when I could. And, and he, he was very supportive. Let, let all my friends come over and just, you know, spill beer everywhere and, <laughs> and all that, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. So have you got other siblings as well that play music? No, I just, I have, my younger brother is uh, a uber talented guy, but he, he, he's one of those guys that when he was young, he picked up the bass and I was so blown away at how fast he learned that I was going to quit, but then he quit. Mm. So I'm like, all right, cool. Now I can do it. That's how, I mean, and he wound up going into business, kind of doing his own kind of, he's kind of like that nerdy, you know, um, at school, you know, kind of, uh, you know, with the briefcase kind of guy almost. And, uh, um, real popular and all that. And I was just like really quiet and I, I, you know, I got beat up a lot. It was funny. I, I, I got, I was always in horrible situations until I did my first concert and the guy that beat me up the next year wound up being the singer in my band. Oh, serious. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my story. I'm like, I got the guys that used to beat me up to become my bitches. You know, I just, you want to play, you want to play, you know, living after midnight. I know the chords. I've got them from guitar amp. And you're gonna, and you can go up there and sing and go la la in front of the girls. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's but, great. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where I started. Is that your? What's that? Your uh, striped black and yellow striped Eddie guitar behind your head? Yeah, that's like a, a really cheap guitar that um, it was actually my daughter's, and we just put stickers on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I, I always admire um, people's uh, interpretations. You know, when they do it, because I'm like. I tried to do it, and it's just yeah. not easy to make it look cool like Eddie's, you know, guitars. Like I guess he ran over it with a bicycle with with like paint on his tire at the yeah. beginning, the very beginning. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Actually, I have to show you my uh, my feature wall. Yeah, one second. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
All right. You see that? Yep, I see it. Oh, wow, dude. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, so, you're so, so you're a serious Eddie guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty much got me into the guitar, so. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, he was like the, the crowning king of just, you know, like I when I started taking guitar, like lessons really early, I was, you know, I'm like, I got to take lessons. But the guy that was giving me lessons was like a Harley riding guy. And he had the coolest Eddie Van Halen uh, poster on the guitar. Like he had a little shop, you know, where he taught in. Yep. But he had this picture. It was on the Fair Warning Tour. And Eddie's, of course, he's shirtless because mm. he's just absolutely like, you know, stealth looking. And he's got a cigarette and he's playing. It looks like he's playing like to hear about later intro with the light on him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, who the f- who is that guy? Yeah. And he's like, well, that's Eddie Van Halen. I'm like. Uh, you know how does what is wow you know so it's yeah. more of like he's just every angle that guy you know <laughs> yeah oh, for sure i mean it was definitely a big inspiration for me yeah you know, getting into the guitar oh yeah i mean i started when i was nine and you know just learning all the chords but when i was like 12 13 after hearing eddie that was, that was it yeah yeah it's it was just so exciting and 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 you know the the album for me it was weird. It's like you know how you have albums that are like part of your childhood. Yeah. I moved to I moved into a new house and that's where we got our. It was in Columbus. It was in Ohio actually. We moved in like five different states. My dad moved around a lot, so I I never really could stay anywhere one place. Like I'd start a band and then I'd have to leave and then I'd have to go try to get in another band in another town. You know, it was tough when you're a kid. Yeah. But. The album, uh, Women and Children First, it, it's not the year it came out because I was born in 70. Uh, so I don't know. It was, I was, you know, uh, pretty young. But um, that came out, what, 70? No, that was 79? No, 78, 79 or 80. That album was, I, that's the one I just listened to incessantly for like years. I yeah. mean, like two years. It was just the best album, you know. Yeah. So you, you remember like when, when they were coming out, they were on MTV, yep. but their old stuff was still, it wasn't, I wasn't around, like I have friends who are like, yeah, I was, I saw the 78 tour and you know, mm. I saw this. I'm like, I still think, well, let's see, I can't do the math in my head right now, but I was nine or 10, so I couldn't see them then, you know, but yeah, yeah. just missed it, you know? Yeah. Well, unfortunately they've only been here twice, once with um, Gary Sharon. Right. And then um, it was about four years ago with Dave, they did a big festival here in Sydney. But, which we flew nice. up to, so that was really good. Like my daughter, I mean, she's 22 now, but um, getting to go with her right at the front, just watching Eddie, it was a it was a dream. <laughs> it was amazing. Nice. Well, you know, the thing with I uh, when we saw the last tour or whatever, mm. uh, we we flew into Texas. The punk, the Atomic Punks were in Texas, and then uh, our bass player Joe knows one of the guys on the crew. And and asked if they could walked into the dressing room and said, "Hey, Dave, can you get these guys some tickets?" He's like, "Oh yeah, go ahead." Yeah. And we and the last minute we were able to go to the venue. These great tickets that, that apparently Dave got us. We got re- right up front, saw about half the show. And then we had to leave to go play our gig, uh, like on the, and play Van Halen songs at a club in the same town where they were headlining. It was just weird, but. Well. Um, but when I see Eddie play, what's so great about it is I I look at him, I'm like. I'm so happy he's he's basically getting his nut, if you know what I mean. He's yep. getting the money that he kind of deserves, oh. and he's spreading it amongst his son and his brother, you know, yep. because that guy kind of got, you know, had some financial issues for years because, you know, he wasn't the smartest tool in the shed when it came to finances, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know, it is what it is. It's like they're doing what they do, but uh, I'm just happy that Eddie's, like, you know, getting the – he seems to be getting more and more – of the recognition that, you know, is in his older age that, 
you know, it's just not going to go away. It's just like, yeah, he was the he was the the flag, you know, that, that you know everyone saluted, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even on the latest tour, like he just looked healthy, sounded great. You know, it's probably the best I've seen him like on through all the videos and everything. So, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Just, yeah, like I, said, getting I, better in age. My. <laughs> Yeah, being in being in LA, um, you know, sometimes you get a little story. So I've got a billion stories. So I, you know, but I don't know if that's what you were hearing on this interview. But oh, love to, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, um, well, I'll tell you one one thing that was kind of cool. I I have a friend. His name's Bole Gregmar. He's uh, a lighting he's a lighting director at the club here called the Roxy on the Sunset Strip. Yep. And the Roxy was rented out by Van Halen for one of their first initial big tours with Wolfie for like three months mm. and you know they just so he was able to get in there and he would tell me about it and i was just like what's going on i'm like they don't have michael anthony in the band you know i'm one of those guys but it, it they he told me um it's incredible he said eddie was just releasing all of the musical um you know stuff to his son he's like what do you want to do son what do you want to do and wolfie was like well, you, this is the way you used to play it dad dad started like this he goes yes son and he played it and um, it was like really cool thing. They only rehearse for like 45 minutes a day mm. or something. They go in there and just do it. And Dave would kind of be separate. You know, they had separate camps, but it worked out real nice. And so I have to give a lot of credit to Wolfie for for being the guy that without him, no one would be seeing this band mm. because uh, he had so much to do with looking his father in the eye and saying, let's do this. And, you know, I want to do this together. And. And it was hard for him uh, through the through the tours and stuff. Apparently, you know, and uh, but you know he was such a Bole said he would be playing stuff that would just um, blow everyone away. You know, like really yeah. amazing bass. He's just a great, talented kid, and and so just watching his dad gleaming, standing over there watching his son, you know, on stage, you know, but uh, never met him. Um, yeah. I got to play. I played with Michael Anthony. Yeah, um, I saw that. He, yeah, yeah. He uh, well. You may see a video on the Atomic Pug site, but that's not actually me. That's Russ Parrish. He was a guitarist before me. I'm like the fourth guy, I think. Yeah. Fourth yeah. or fifth guy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Michael came to a private party, and we were hired at this thing. And they asked us, like, how much would it actually cost to get an actual member of the band at this party? And we're like, we have no idea. But we knew Doogie, Michael's uh, roadie. And so we called him and Michael's in town and, and they said, like, uh, can you come down? He's like, well, uh, how much would it be? He's like, uh, how much for like two, three songs? He's like uh, five grand or something like that. <laughs> and he's like done. They were like done. And he showed up and my band didn't tell me he was showing up. Mm. And I was just showing up as his usual thing. And then they said, look, Michael Anthony's going to sit in. And we didn't want to tell you because we knew that you were going to freak out. And I started <laughs> to completely freak out, you know, <laughs> and. And I was on stage, and he came walking around with his daughter, you know, went right to the bar <laughs> and had a drink. And I'm like, wow, look at that. He came up, and when he started singing and playing, and that voice came through the monitors mm. in, in like a, you know, like a private event kind of a scenario, the mo it was just, that's the Van Halen sound. It's just like, that hasn't changed. Like, when he's singing those Van Halen songs, the backgrounds, he, yep. you know, um, he knew it was just like right off the freaking album. I'm like, listen to that. I was just, it gave me just absolutely, I was just shivers down my spine. Wow. And he, we were playing, I think in the middle of Hot for Teacher, he came over to me while I was doing that solo and I'm, you know, looking at him and he's, he's yelling at me, get him dude, get it. You know, he's all, he's all into it. And 
he shook my hand after and said, you know, I can't believe how much fun that was. And yeah. playing with you is a real treat. I'm just like Michael. Man. So, so he's the best. Um, I met David Lee, um, on my bachelor party, like years and years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he was with a guy, Bart Walsh, who was the original guitar player for the Atomic Punks that yeah. I'm in. And, uh, he was at a, he was at a strip joint <laughs> and, um, my buddies dragged me in there just 10 sheets of the wind cause I was getting married. And then, Dave was there, and he was looking like a million bucks, like just tan, perfect shape. This was like 95 or 4. Yep. And he was getting ready for a tour that wound up not happening. But he was like, you know, he's really nice. So oh, you're getting married. Oh, huh? well, you know, good luck with that. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And he was just great. Um, uh, Alex has talked to the guys in the band. And we actually do another band, which is a Sammy version. Okay. Um yeah, so we did. We had to. I had to get the 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 power drill thing, you know, to yeah, do yeah, the guitar. Yeah. yeah, so they called a house, and Alex was there, and I guess Alex told him what Eddie used, like a Makita yeah. drill or something. I'm like, Alex is on the phone with you, you know, but nice. So anyway, so you pretty much had like interaction with all the members except for Eddie at this stage. Yeah, and I keep going back to a story that someone knew that Eddie may have heard what we were doing and uh, saw some video and he's and Eddie's reply was kind of like, why is that guy dressing up like me? Why doesn't he go ahead and do his own thing? Not really. And it, yeah. And it makes complete sense because he doesn't really get the whole tribute thing, you know, yeah. and uh, and it's because the dude's an innovator. So he's like, why don't you go out there and be an innovator yourself? And it's like, uh, yeah, it's a little easier said than done, you know, yeah. but our bass player just ran into Eddie's tech Joe, our bass player, works for Ultimate Ear Monitors, mm -hmm. and he's at Third Encore, which is a real popular uh, rehearsal facility here in L.A., and told him, like, come on down anytime and all that, and who knows, you know, maybe if, yeah. uh, if we're playing the whiskey or something and Eddie will be available, I mean, who knows, you yeah. know, that's, that's always, the, you know, it's always up in the air, who knows. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully, I mean, because I listen to, the, like, a few other podcasts, you know, the, the Dave and Dave, was it Unchained podcast? Um, okay. And the EVH one, and it's like everyone's always wondering, you know, what's Eddie doing now? What's what's going on? It's like a big mystery. Well, yeah, I, well, it's a mystery to me. Um, um, I would only know if he was doing something really technically on the music side in terms of gear, because mm. our our band, very fortunately, is endorsed by Dunlop. Um, okay. There's a guy named George Trips who does an amazing pedal work. He makes these pedals called Way Huge Pedals. Mm -hmm. And um, but he also designs or helps work with MXR. And so he he works with Eddie, you know, okay. designing pedals. He worked with Eddie designing all these new stripe pedals that he has, you know. Mm. And so George would sometimes fill me in if the, if Eddie was like, you know, working on something new. But yeah, I mean, it's mum's the word right now. Everyone's kind of yeah. waiting to see what happens. And that's the thing about, you know, this. I mean, um you know, sometimes we get so busy in what we do, I, I don't get a chance to really kind of get online and kind of dig around and ask friends, yeah. you know, what's up, you know, with those guys, you know. Um, you remember there was like a Sammy, potential Sammy thing that was going on? Yeah, I did and hear about that, yeah. That's it, though, that's as far as it went. Like, yeah. there's a couple of YouTubes, like, what what ifs, and that was it. So mm. that's what makes it kind of exciting, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. What to come next, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Is. I mean, it'd still be great to hear Wolfgang come out with something, hopefully soon yeah um man i wish i remember I, I guess he was playing with some guys from alter bridge that's right and is it tremonti is that the other one yeah right right so 
I don't know what's come to that. I'm, I, I haven't heard anything of it, but mm. I mean, I'll be the first one to, you know, find it if it's out there and yeah. buy it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you guys playing pretty much every weekend? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like it used to be. Um, obviously, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot harder to find certain venues that will take a chance with certain things. So, yeah. uh, but I, I, you know, I've been doing it since 2007. Okay. Something. And uh, I'm just, yeah. I mean, like, for example, this past weekend, we were going to do a, um, we do this outdoor Akron, Ohio venue that's really big and a lot of fun, mm. but our singer is in Hawaii, so we did the Sammy version. So we did two hours of Van Halen's Sammy Hagar okay. stuff. Mm. Uh, and that was, you know, and it was cool to play that Van Halen stuff. I mean, so my answer is we don't do, we, I used to do like all punks, but now it's like we do atomic punks and then we do, some of it is the Sammy band. Some of it we do is a Motley Crue tribute band. Some of it we also do as a Rush oh, wow. tribute band. So um, I, I'm kind of like I like to have my you know different tools in my toolbox and all that stuff. And uh, so I, I I'm game for learning anything completely new and challenging myself and yeah. you know getting up there and just doing my best. But so nowadays you have to be kind of flexible in terms of. You know, if you're working as much as you want to, you really got to be like, well, you know, I got to be able to jump into this situation. Oh, and there's a fifth band. There's a, <laughs> which uh, I can't believe I forgot. Uh, my buddy's in a band called Queen Nation, so I've been doing Queen. Oh, wow. Well. And that's, yeah, that's a that's that's a whole nother, uh, I mean, just that regal style of guitar playing, that beautifully eloquent, notey, you know, mm. classical style. And every song's an A flat and E flat and... <laughs> You know, piano keys, those Freddie songs. Yeah, and yeah. So, you know, I, I've been happy. I've my my little arsenal of guitars now I've got like, you know, got my Les Paul for something, got my Eddie guitar, got my Brian May one. Yeah. And it's just fun, like on a weekend like this, I'll pull out one guitar and then the next weekend I gotta be this guy. Yeah. And then I pull that out. Pull out that wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, great. I mean it's um you know, some big shoes you're filling in there with different guitarists you you're doing, so that's really good. Yeah, I guess I guess I've always just uh, enjoyed um, the chameleon aspect of playing. Like I, I don't know how deep you want to go into like my past, but yeah, one big sure. thing that happened, at, you know, after I, I came to L.A. and I went to Musicians Institute in like 1990, and I and I and I met these guys who are still friends of mine today. I mean, my best friends are guys I met there, and. One guy is, you know, on tour with this, and other guys with Alice Cooper, and this guy's with that. I mean, all my friends are doing great. You know, it's just, you know, those kind of people you knew they kind of they're they're going to go somewhere, and and sure enough, they did. So I've watched everyone else kind of, you know, do their thing. Um, I wound up doing casual work in L.A. Where, well, there was a guitar player that I started taking lessons with because I saw him at uh, the Greek Theater playing with uh, Jean-Luc Ponty, the violinist. Um, and they were playing, and Al Di Miola was opening for them. Oh, wow. So I'm like, whoa, what's this? And then he wound up at MI doing a little seminar, and his name's Jamie Glaser. And um, once I met him, I started taking lessons, and then he would let his students cart his gear to gigs and sessions. Mm. So I used to go take his gear to, like, Capitol Records and go down there to the original studio down there and do movie soundtrack work. And and I'm like, this is amazing. You know, like the, the Beccaros were down there, and you're – you know, these famous guitar players who are on all these records that you don't know they're on, you yeah. know. Um, 
so I love that scene. So it made me, but what he told me was to be real versatile, you know, like the whole idea is to, if you want to be a working musician, because I, I read music growing up. Yep. Um, so these, these jobs require a certain amount of sight reading if need be. And so I was really bon boning up on that. And then um, I was doing these shows and I'd show up in like a tuxedo, loading the gear in because sometimes the guitar player in LA, you know, the LA traffic, mm. they'd be late. And then I'd be able to jump up on the band stage and fill in for him mm. and be up there just sweating in my touch, just do, 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 do you know, <laughs> playing these really high end gigs. So yeah. uh, I loved it. So that's what made me, I don't know if I get, I, if I got attention deficit or whatever, but I just kind of after a while, I'm like, I, I got to find something else to kind of, you know, fire me up again and learn this. Oh, I've got to learn a bunch of the licks for this. I'm like, all right, you know, that, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of why I wound up, what I am, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's weird. Uh, J Jamie Glaser, he just, uh, you know, he still emails all of his fans and everything. He just got off a tour with uh, John Anderson uh, from Yes. He was oh, yeah, playing yeah. guitar with the singer and Jean-Luc Ponty. There was like an Anderson Ponty thing. Mm. Uh, but anyway, he's doing he's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So who, when you're growing up, what was your main influences? Ooh. Uh, well, I'm from the South, so being from the being from Texas primarily, uh, because I moved around a couple different states. But basically, I've been around a lot of Southern culture, and I grew up playing in Southern bars where you had to play a lot of Southern style music. Mm -hmm. And I was moving towards the country feel, but I was still really into like, I mean, the the, the guitar players I were into were like the guys that I had to learn for the gigs a lot of times. Now, out there, I mean, probably my biggest guy was Billy Gibbons, you know, yep. ZZ Top stuff, because you couldn't just play that stuff kind of like, you know, a metal guy playing a ZZ Top song. You know how that yeah. sounds. Yeah. Um, you have to play it authentically. You have to play it with a clean, almost, you know, just in-your-face sound, and you got to have the feel and, and, and all that. So mm. he was big. And then... Man, growing up in bands, we were playing a lot of a lot of different stuff. Like I was really into Bloister Cult. Um, Buck Dharma was like a big influence um, because I just I I just gravitated to his guitar playing, and I don't know why. I found out later it's because his father uh, was a saxophone player, so he plays guitar a lot like saxophone players play their notes. Yep. So it's that kind of it's a jazzy feel in in a rock setting. Yeah. But it's so cool because he's he's not playing jazz. He's playing, but he's just phrasing it in a certain way. I just, I love that guy. And then I got on a big Peter Frampton kick for a while um, because I, I was literally learning. I, I, someone told me, if you want to sound cool, you got to sound like a singer playing solos. Yeah. And then every, everything Peter Frampton plays is literally his voice on the guitar, mm -hmm. like every note. So anytime you you learn a Peter Frampton lick, it sounds like you're learning uh, like a beautiful melody. And, yeah. and um, so that was great. And then, of course, and then Eddie came around and what was great about, or getting into Eddie was the swing, you know, mm. because I'm a Texan, so there's a Texas swing that he uses that a lot of guys can't do. And I could hear that. So when I started early on playing, and the guys in the band now still tell me you're still not swinging enough, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I know, at least I know what it is. It's like that syncopated that and there's a lot of uh rhythm guitar players that that don't 
know that. And so when you play like bottoms up or if you play Harper Teacher, if you know Harper Teacher, you can really hear the swing. Yeah. Uh, the one. There's just a lot of that. So, um, man. Uh, and then I, I, so I would have to learn all. And of course, I learned Judas Priest, Maiden, all the other stuff because I had friends who we would just drink a lot and try to play, you know, heavy metal songs, you know. Yeah. Oh, we did a lot, we did a lot of Rush. I mean, you know, I had I had a uh, a drummer friend who's now in a Dave Matthews tribute band in Texas and they're amazing. Um because I'm a big Dave Matthews freak. Um he was a big Rush guy growing up. So so we were trying to do technical things. I I loved anything prog rock too. Um and then once I got to MI, that's when it really opened up for me because we would go into a class and learn, you know, songs off a of Mahavishnu Orchestra record or something, mm. um, you know, and I just loved it. I, I got into jazz. I actually had a jazz teacher for a while. Yep. Um, there's a guy that played guitar named Ollie Hoskell from England. Um, he played in all these obscure bands, but every recording that he that I found of him, I learned everything he did. He's okay. just he was an incredible guy. And then the, and then when you live in L.A., there's a lot of guys that are always floating around. Um, I miss Gary Moore live. Gary Moore was just one of my big guys. Yeah. Uh, he was playing, but there's so many. I just, I guess what it is, it's like, uh, there's, it's so, that's what's great about guitar and I'm never going to stop doing it is because I'll, I'll put it away for a while and then I'll hear an Albert Lee something, or Steve Morris. I was really into Steve Morris. Like, yeah. you know, I had all the Dixie Dreg records. And that was really hard shit. But yeah, Steve Morris was like a high, a high bar that I could never get to, but it really pushed me to get better. But that was like, that wasn't rock. I mean, you know, I would come in to my rehearsal with my band of my friends and they want to do, they want to do Black Sabbath and I'd have uh, the bash by the dregs or something. And, you know, let's try to do this high impact bluegrass. And they're like, what the f are you talking about? I'm like, but I mean, people, if they hear this, they're going to freak out. They're like, no, they're not. You know, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Steve Morris is a big one. Yeah. yeah. So with the, um, uh, the Van Halen with the Atomic Punks, when you first joined, did you like know a lot of the songs already or did you have to pretty much learn them all? Well, no, I, I had to learn them all because I mean, the last time I honestly played Van Halen music was when I was a teenager because, okay. What happened in the 90s, and I'll, I'll make it quick before I get to the Atomic Punks. Um, yep. um, if you recall, during the early 90s, the Nirvana thing was huge, and then there was The Offspring, Green Day, and all that. If you were in L.A. and you sounded like that, you can get a record deal. Yeah. But you have to be good. But, but I, wound up getting on a, on, I wound up getting signed in a band uh, with a guy named Tommy Hendrickson, who's, who hired me to be in his band. And... He's this great guy. He's now the musical director for Alice Cooper. He's oh. he's actually touring. He's touring with the Hollywood Vampires right now. Okay. He's in the he's in the freaking Hollywood Vampires. It's like him, Joe Perry, Johnny Depp, uh, Alice, and uh, someone else. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like holy shit, dude. So anyway, but but when he got me in his band, I was a mess. But he knew I was a good player, and he's just like you know, join my band. Get out, get out of your funk, and if not, then fuck you. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So we toured for, like, months, um, and uh, we played big shows. We played on television. I got to play CBGBs for a week. Um, and then eventually the label went bankrupt, and I was back here in L.A. going, what the hell happened? I mean, one moment we were, we were touring 
opening for Dokken for like three months on their reunion tour, yeah. playing venue, playing 3000 seat venues and all this stuff. I got all this, I mean, playing all these, I played Red Rocks in Denver, you know, yeah. we played, uh, I played with Bush, I played with Ruka Salt, we played with all these bands. We were going to, we play open for Faith No More. We did, I mean, it was just so exciting. Mm. And then, and then the the ball drops and the money's gone. And if you didn't sell X amount of records, they'd dump you. Or actually, we got basically dumped because it was Irving Azoff's label, Giant Records. Yeah. And the guy kind of got rid of that label. So everybody on our label got, you know, just was out of a job. So after that, I got kind of disillusioned with the system, as they say, you know, yeah. because I was just like, eh. so I started kind of working on my own and doing odd jobs and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I muddled, muddled around in some other bands, you know, some punk. I kind of got into punk for a while because it's fun to play punk gigs in L.A. because there's a lot of great venues. Mm. Um, so I just, I, you know, but I was partying a lot and all that. But then eventually the punks, um, I knew that Russ Parrish was playing guitar because we were roommates, you know, early on in L.A. Yep. So I knew him and I knew he was doing that. And it's just this really high end, like guitar playing gig. So obviously he would be doing it and doing a great job. Um, but I just they, they they needed someone to come in and I was working um, at doing IT work. I was like loading uh, trucks and uh, just doing weird jobs. And so I just sent a, a recording of me playing some of it and not even doing a good job, I thought. But I think what they thought, saw was that I had the feel for it. It wasn't about the, te- the, the, veloc- the velocity of the notes, but I could tell, I mean, I had the feel for it. That, 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 you know, I certainly can tell the difference from other players. So anyway, mm. they brought me in and it was a very odd thing because these guys are very serious because they make a living playing tribute music. So it's mm. like, it was, this wasn't like, come on in, buddy. It's like, plug in. Show us what you got, you know. Yeah. And it was like trial by fire. And they were they were like, Can you be ready in two weeks with fourteen songs? I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, and I honestly think that they just couldn't find anyone else at the time. It was just like they could they just they were kind of exhausted. <laughs> and and I kind of came in and they're like, He'll do. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I I wound up taking my vacation time from that job that I was at at the time and just worked on all the songs. And I was freaking out because I'm like, I can't play this shit. It's so fast, you know. Yeah. And then when they play, when they play it live, they play it faster than the record. Yeah. So I'm like, so I was kind of flubbing the first few shows, and they were looking at me like, dude, fix it or you're out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, no, because <laughs> I was like, I was having so much fun, you know. I was like, man, you mean I could wear? I put a wig on, I wear overalls, and I dress up like a superhero on the weekends, and I get paid, <laughs> and. Uh, but it's not that easy, as you know. You gotta, you know, you gotta yeah. own it. You gotta play well. And then, of course, the singer of the band, who was the primary guy who had to thumbs up me in the band, Ralph Sains, is a is an amazing singer and musician. He's a great guitar player, so he knows every nuance. Yeah. And he's on stage being like, "All right, everybody, here's the new guy. Every time he makes a mistake, you know, you can. He owes you a dollar or some <laughs> game." It was horrible. It was just like, it was so like embarrassing. I'm like, I'm going to be out in a week. That was five years later and I was still in the band. So I don't know. Um, that's how it happened. I mean, yeah. eventually what happens is you, you eventually start that muscle that starts kicking in, starts working. And suddenly it's like, oh, I can do this. Um, it starts to feel, it's just over trial and error, just over and over, doing it slowly, kind of building it up. And there's still a few things that I didn't learn correctly at the beginning, mm. uh, technique-wise, that I'm kind of stuck doing. 
but I'm trying to break that and re, you know, fix it. But, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I just, I'm still the guy in the band and I'm still happy to do it. I'm still happy they have me, you know? Yeah. Well, now you said before, one of the guys went on to Dave the Ross band. Wasn't there another guy as well that went on to something else? It sure was. Uh, Bart was the original guy. Um, Dave saw the band and got Bart in his solo band. And then they had a falling out. And then I guess Dave went back to another punk show. And at the time, the second guitar player, Brian Young, who is doing amazing right now. He's in Texas playing in a um, uh, it's like a cover band called the Spasmatics. And it's all over the country. There's like these pockets of the country that have these really talented guys that dress up like nerds and they play 80s covers okay. but they play they play the shit out of it you know mm. where it's just like no perfect and it's funny and it's great to watch but um he was doing the punks and he was great i mean brian was a real step up uh musically he was like you know this surfer guy they were playing during the weekends and he was out surfing during the weekdays. So we had the tan <laughs> and he was wearing the overalls. And I'm like, that guy was really cool doing Van Halen. Yeah. Um, but eventually Dave got him in his band. So Brian started touring and, and he was in some really cool tours. Like he was in the Dave Willie Roth era solo band that had him, um, Ray Luzier on drums hmm. and uh, James Lomenzo on bass. That was like a really cool uh, a version of the David Lee Roth band and they were touring, you know, talk about talent. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I guess Russ was in the band and then he just, he, he wanted to do, Russ is a very intuitive person that follows things. And when he, when he has a passion, he's going to follow it. And that's the way everyone should be. Yep. He's got a lot of balls. So he goes out there and he does what he thinks he's going to be right. And, and he wanted to do steel Panther and he wanted to do that, and he did it, and 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 uh, so he followed his bliss, as they say, you know. Mm. And um, so the seat opened up. So well, that's what I've been doing since. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't really do it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there could be a chance that um, Dave might see you guys and pick you as well. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. I, if Dave said he needed someone, I'm sure the guys would be like, yeah, of course, that's what happens. But yeah. Um, you know, the only thing we always think about is it like, you know, like if Sammy had a, something he needed done and me, me, as us as us three, the drummer, the bass player and me, they should hire us three because we're like, you know, we know everything. Yeah. You know, literally just put a singer in front of us and the whole rhythm section of me. We've been playing together for so long that there's a lot of things that we've done musically that are like. Oh, you guys do that too, you know, yeah. because we're kind of a we're kind of a tight unit now musically. So I really hope that. Well, for example, um, there was a guy. Uh, we do these cruises every year. They're called Monsters of Rock Cruise. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one too. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, that's really cool because mm. I mean it's weird being a tribute band because they're everyone else's original bands, but I think yeah. it's because you know it's just this homage to the music of that time. Yeah. So they wanted to pick like you know a band that's that does really well, and 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 I'm like we'll see, but I guess everyone loves it. Like even this year. When we did it, we were playing in Haiti at the on this beach gig, and Steve Harris was from Iron Maiden was on the on the boat with his band British Lion, and he was like on the beach playing with his kids or something, just listening to us, loving it. I'm just like, what the, f you know, yeah. uh, you know, just all kinds of people you get to meet. George Lynch was out in the, you know, walking around, and and I've got to be friends with him, and yep. um, 
just so many people I meet on there. So, so anyway, for example, Mike Tramp, uh, that was from White Lion, was on the boat. He does like his solo stuff. And he came up and he really, I guess he wanted to do a song um, this last year. And we were like, I was, I learned some White Lion songs. Because yep. I'm like, is he going to be on stage? I'm going to do some White Lion and we're going to go into it. Yeah. But we want not doing it because the drummer's like, I don't know if he really wants to do that. It might be putting him on a spat because he may feel funny about it. Mm. But I'm like, this guy ever wants to do that style, that music, he just should have us do it. And afterwards, we were like, dude, that was so much fun. You and he said, this is the first time I've done live rock, uh, live band in ten, over 10 years. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, what? Because he's only done acoustic stuff. He's this yeah. amazing singer. Yeah. So anyway, we're always trying to tell singers, like, hire us. We'll totally back you, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're, a good, we're a good crew, you know. But um, and then this last cruise, Steve uh, Michael Sweet from Striper sang, got up on saying with okay. us. Yeah. Year year before that, Nuno Bentoncourt sat in and played guitar, and it's just that's the shit that's like so fun, you know. It's just yeah. watching those guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one with our Nuno on uh, on YouTube. It's, yeah, it was a great fun. Yeah, well, um, I didn't know it wasn't planned. That was totally unplanned. I was playing yeah. on the beach, beautiful day. Uh, and then we come to the eruption solo, and I'm already sweating because there's like half of the guitar players on the boat are like walking around in the water. And I'm like, they learned, everyone cut their teeth on this stuff. So I'm always nervous playing yeah. in front of peers like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm in the middle of the solo, and then Nuno's kind of walking towards the stage, and he's got his glasses on. He's looking, the guy doesn't age, you know, he looks amazing. <laughs> he does. You know, all the girls are like, Nuno, you know. <laughs> and, um, and he walks up, and he's looking at me playing, and I look at him, and he looks at me like, Yes, I'm Nuno. Yes, I'm watching you play. And I'm like, holy shit. So I'm playing. And But then he walked right around to the side of the stage. He's like, hey, I'm going to come and play a song. And it's kind of like his thumbs up. Like, yeah. all right, you guys are cool. I'm, and I'm like, here's the guitar. So it was so, you know, even though Gary Sharon was on the boat with mm. Extreme, I don't think he got off the boat that day okay. and knew that we were playing or knew. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe just did. Maybe he had something else to do because we were like, uh, Gary's on the boat, you know. Yeah, but I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens. That it's so cool with this band. Um, but the guys in this band have been having a lot of guys come up and sit in. So I'm still blown away. You know, that's that's so much fun. You know, yeah, I could go on and on about the people that sat in with us. Now, just going back to the um, yeah, the Van Halen songs. What would you say? Mm -hmm. What probably was your most like challenging song to play or even like to learn? Wow. Um, most challenging song. Well, let's say, okay, you know what's kind of, and it makes no sense because it's not like I'm the one or something fast, but yeah. like well, we, we've sometimes done the song Women in Love. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, then, and I do the intro. Of course, you got to do the intro. Yeah. But the thing about that intro is it's got this really cool sound on the record that's hard to mimic live. So I've got to find that kind of right tapping. Yep. for that, for the intro, and then do a nice clean guitar at the beginning, kick into the distortion during the, during the song, the song's slow so you can really hear the chords, and then you sit, that song you got to sing a lot in. Hmm. Uh, it's a challenging song. It's like, it's sometimes, the easier stuff for me is the full tilt songs. Like, you know, if we play Hang 'Em High or, you know, full bug is really fun. Yeah. But to me, the fast stuff feels kind of like you just get on a roller coaster and go. It's when you start getting kind of into those more intricate slow songs where it's like you really have to milk notes and, and, and all that, you know, you're no good mm. or, you know, stuff like that. 
I just I just get a little like, well, here it comes. That song is going to be interesting. Um, you know, we we sometimes try to learn stuff. We just learned recently relearned simple rhyme. Oh, yeah. Simple rhyme. Yep. And that one's that one's cool because okay, I've been playing Eddie stuff for so long. The hard stuff is singing certain songs and playing certain songs mm. because they they get they're high they're very underrated for their vocal agility, you know, as a band. Yeah. So I have to concentrate on the songs that are hard vocally because I think that's kind of what separates for us from other bands that do Van Halen covers is that like we're all, you know, really trying to do really good vocal stuff. Mm. Um, so I just wrap my head around that. But I mean, I mean, we used to do Lost Control. That was kind of a tough tune. Yeah. Uh, that was like, I mean, that one was tough. I mean, I do the we do the entire first album, almost the entire second album. Yeah. Um, the thing that sucks is I'd like to do more of women and children first songs like, like, uh, man. Okay. So take your whiskey home mm. is a lot of fun to play. I mean, that took a while to learn because I mean, really got to get the feel of that one yep. to play it right. You know, um, what else do we do on that album? I, you know, like, Oh, we, we always open pretty much with Romeo delight. Um, yep. but there's other songs in that album that I tried to learn. Like I learned fools. I learned that shit, that intro at the beginning, yep. and I, I'm like, that is insanely hard. The, the, what he's doing, like he's yeah. actually doing, you know, the the intro that's yeah, just yeah. like some chords, and then he starts playing that really heavy duty riff before he goes into the down 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 that. Yep. I I need to visit that again. That song is so difficult. Like to learn his little nuancy guitar riffs. That's a tough one. And I'd love to play that live. But the guys are like, eh, it kind of doesn't go over well. I'm like, mm. yeah, well, you know, <laughs> well, that, that probably will save me a lot of time working on that one. Yeah. Um, we did Center Swing. I learned Center Swing. And, it, and Center Swing is not, is not hard, but it's about locking it in with your band. You have to yeah. rehearse that shit because it's like the drummer is doing like a different thing than the guitar. And the thing I, I remember Michael telling us this, uh, like when we were, when I talked to him after our show, yeah. he said, Eddie and Alex have completely different timing, uh, mentalities. Like they don't think the same at all, but they completely lock in. Yeah. So they think like different, just different. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, that's but, yeah. yeah. So center swing is a good example of that. It's like a really interesting, Man, when we're locked in on that, I'm like, wow, I don't think any other band could do it quite like we do it. Because it's like, I mean, besides, you know, the early Van Halen tours when they did that song. I mean, if you if you listen to the Fair Warning bootlegs and you hear them do that, it was like, that song kicks ass, you know. Yeah. But 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 our singer gets lost. He's like, review in the review. It's, I mean, Dave, Dave is a very talented singer. I mean, like in terms of 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 locking into those hard songs like that yeah i mean his phrasing and everything it's hard so our singer kind of has a difficult time with it so we're like oh well <laughs> yeah. uh, one that i do real good is uh little guitars i i like oh, doing yeah. that one you know because i do the finger thing and i see guys doing it wrong all the time i'm like you're doing it wrong <laughs> you know <laughs> um i forgot to say i i was at the airport uh, in la and then i ran into the warrant guy that you just interviewed oh joey ellen Joey, yeah, oh, okay. nice guy. Yeah, he's a great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were just heading out, you know, kind of crossing our path, and it was just really nice to meet him. And I said, "I'm doing a, a podcast with your guy," you know that. And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun." So yeah, anyway, he's low. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, thank you. No, he said, um, "Hopefully, he wants to come to Australia." And he said, 
you know, uh, get up and jam with the guys if, if he does. Uh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah. Uh, talk about like guys that have been, you know, that are weekend warriors like that. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, dude. You yeah. know, those guys schlepping it up and you know getting to the gigs like that. It's kind of like it's kind of the way the music scene is now. I mean, it's tough that's to right. like you know to book like consistent tours through the week. You know, it's about this Thursday, Friday, Saturday work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. like that, those big bands, Firehouse, um, Warrants, uh, Great White, you know, Mark Hendel last week, it's just hard for them to come down here, which is unfortunate, you know, because they're just promote, promoting the gigs, I guess. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, yeah. we're, we're going next week, we've got uh, Mr. Big and Extreme playing together. So you're going to see that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, Dude, yeah. I saw, um, you know, I, I used to I used to, to, to handle Paul's mail because Paul, mm. you know, I lived, well, real quick, um, when I was in Texas and I was a teenager. Yep. Um, I got a, I got a phone call. I got a, I met one, a guy who was from LA and he was a roadie for racer X. Oh, yeah. That was Gilbert's band. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I know Paul, are you going to LA? And he put Paul on the phone with me and I was like 17 years old. And I'm like, uh, Mr. Gilbert, my name is Lance Turner and I'm coming to LA. And he's like, all oh, right, man. Cool. And he was just the God back then to all the guitar players, you know, he was yeah. the new Ingbe, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, He's like, hey, dude, um, I'm moving out of my apartment, so why don't you talk to my roommate? And, uh, you know, he, he might need a thing. So I, when I went to L.A., Russ, I, I moved into Paul's apartment, oh, and man. he moved out. And since then, we always kind of kept in touch because the dude had to come by and get his mail. Yeah. And then and then I found out he was a huge Todd Rundgren fan, too. Like, I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan. So, And I'm actually going to see Todd Rundgren's Utopia tomorrow in L.A. I'm driving back to L.A. I'm a little out of town right now. Okay. Going to Utopia at the Wilton Theater. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but uh, Paul used to invite me over to his house to, like, watch Todd videos. And it was, like, just the coolest thing. I mean, I'm a nobody from Texas, and I just happened to, to wind up in this apartment where Paul lives. So I love that guy. And yeah. when you watch him play still, he's as, as dedicated and as brilliant at what he does and look, just watch him when he walks up on stage. He, yeah. Look at it. He looks like he's he's still eight years old. Like, oh, I can't wait to plug in, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because he's that good. I mean, it, I, I just, I mean, sometimes I'm down with myself. And then I kind of remember, remember that guy? He wakes up every day just happy to, like, play a zillion notes a second. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. he can. Yeah, um, so as far as, um, do you have any other original projects as well? As a matter of fact, I do. Because the thing about... Um, what I do is I, I actually got kind of caught up in all of the, you know, gearing up for the weekends and just doing covers everywhere and jumping around and doing all that. Yep. But I missed writing because I haven't written since, you know, the early 2000s with anyone. Yeah. And um, so I had a friend, hopefully this won't take too long, but That's I right. had a friend that needed someone to co-write some songs. And I'm like, hey, you know, I do that. But, I, but then I wound up not having enough time. So hmm. I went to a like a classified online thing. And yep. they, they suggested I go to a place in the Valley uh, in Los Angeles in, in Burbank, California, which is real close to where I was living. Yep. And it's called the songwriting school of Los Angeles. Okay. And yeah. And it's on this main drag and you can't even tell what it is from outside. Hmm. But I went in there, I met the owner of this place called Rob seals. And, um, he's an amazing guy. Um, he's from, um, this area where Dave Matthews came from. So this is like this really cool scene on the East coast. Yep. And so I started going there 
And then the more I went there, I, they have these free events. Like um, the guitar player for the Eurythmics would sit down f- for an interview for two hours, mm. like uh, on the stage, and only talk about songwriting. So this is a songwriting school, and it's like above a studio. And this guy would have classes, and it was co-writing classes and all that stuff. So man, I started showing up, and then before I knew it, I started, com- you know, learning about like craft stuff again, and I was totally immersed in it, and. We had deadlines every week with groups of, our, our, you know, we'd make little, you know, duos or triplets of people. And then on the weekend, we would perform our songs for the class and then we would all critique each other. It's just a beautiful thing. Oh, wow. And uh, so since then, I hooked up with one of the artists. Her name is uh, Melissa Th- Thatcher, yeah. who's this um, wonderful lady. She's a family woman, you know, but she's this piano player, very kind of Joni Mitchell sounding. Yep. Um, but man, we... We started kind of clicking musically, and we would have these songwriting sessions every Wednesday with a third guy, Michael Grady, who's this guy who moved away, but he was a he was primarily a lyricist. Okay. We finished ten songs, and I've got maybe seven of them already done in the studio, and I've got a couple more that I really want to get done. Yep. But I'm really proud of them, and and when I show them to my friends, I'm like, dude, I wrote this, and they're like, wow, really cool. Like I would send I sent him to Tommy when he was on his Alice Cooper tour because yep. he's like, you know, and he writes with Alice and and all that, and he's just like, man, that's really good, you know. And I'm like, wow, this is. So anyway, um, we we were gonna call it um, the the we're 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 kind of batting the idea around, but it's gonna be probably called the Mercy Phase because it's gonna be. Um, it's going to be a band of artists who get together and, and, and compile things, kind of like a Steely Dan kind of thing yeah, or something. Sounds cool. But that's, yeah, the Mercy phase is what it is. And then she sings majority of the stuff, but Michael was singing some things, and, and I'm playing like drums on some things, huh. and, and it's just so much fun. So, um, yeah. and, and, the, and the coolest thing is I have a friend of mine, uh, Tim Hofsettler, who's got his own studio, and he gives me a really great rate. And it's great. I go in there. We go in there twice a week, like six hours, and just just experiment in the studio. And just like, you know, what happened if we put this on top of this? And then, and it's all about getting back in the studio and being creative. But people don't really have. It's when you don't have the computer in your bedroom stuff. This is yeah. like, you know, a Pro Tools, you know, a real thing. And I and I love it. So yeah, I I, mm. I don't know what I'm going to do with it because, you know, we have to you know properly kind of presented i, I, I want to do some lyric videos online for it and yep. and kind of get out and see what happens yeah oh, for sure because she's a solo artist so she's always out playing kind of solo stuff and, and all that but the mercy phase is still com- completely kind of uh, you know underground right now so yep. yeah, oh and right. i don't know what this makes uh uh you know kind of into this topic but yep. we do another band it's a motley motley crew tribute band right yep the singer is a guy, he wasn't in bands, he just would do karaoke, and he was just sounded so much like Vince, he wound up in some tribute bands. But the other bands he was in weren't really really nailing the, the music, yeah. you know? I mean, Tommy Lee is like, that That drumming is just iconic drumming. Yeah. And so you really need a great drummer, you know, the guitar's got to sound a certain way. So we were like, dude, we should do a tribute with this guy. So we wound up doing it, and to make a long story short, we've been doing Motley Inc. along with the Van Halen stuff for like seven years now, yeah. you no, know, yeah. to kind of plug in plug in dates. But but this what this just happened with our singer, and not a lot of people know this, so I think this is an exclusive. Yeah. But um, there's a there's a Netflix movie coming out about the book The Dirt, you know, the book the Motley Crue book. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
right? So this book's coming out. Oh, the book came out, but now they're doing a full um, movie based on this book. Yeah. And so they needed someone to, to they needed to re-record the, some of the original early Motley Crue stuff for this movie. Mm. And so Phil X is on guitar and Howard, ben, Howard something, he's like a big time producer is producing it. This is like a big Hollywood production, mm. but they really couldn't find anyone. And um, uh, our bass player got wind of it and he sent our singer, Timmy, and they said he's perfect. Oh, so wow. Timmy is the voice in the movie. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, so our singer, our tribute band singer, is the guy doing the Vince Neil early stuff. And we got to hear some of it. And one thing they did was when Vince Neil auditioned for Motley Crue, I guess early on, he had he had covers of B Billy Squire songs he sang. Yeah. So I've, got record I've heard recordings of Timmy, our singer, doing Vince, doing B Billy Squire, the original demos. And it's like, so anyway, we're all excited for him because, you know, he, he deserves it. So he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, is there any idea when that when it's coming out? Or are they still filming it? Uh, it they're they're I, I I don't think I think it'll be out by the end of this year for sure. I mean, I think it's going to be a big deal like on Netflix because, mm. I mean, the that book The Dirt is like a big time you know read for rock fans. You know, it's such yeah. a such a hardcore rock book about their story. So I'm sure it'll be easy. I mean, Netflix is such a big deal now. You oh, know, it's it yeah. you know so I think it'll be well promoted. So. I mean, if you if you wind up seeing it and you're like, is that Timmy? Uh, you know, I'll certainly verify what is and what isn't if you want to know. So yeah. <laughs> when it comes out, <laughs> oh, definitely, I'll yeah. Once it's out, I'll, I'll know it for sure. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Excellent. That's uh, really good. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I, I I appreciate anyone that wants to you know to that. I I hope that I can give someone's insight into what I do, and if they have questions, I'm always I'm always about like you know um, helping. You know, I'm a giver. So, I mean, yep. if anybody needs anything, I just, I don't promote myself too much online. Like I don't get online and be like, you know, Hey, you know, here's where I am. And, you know, yep. I, I, but I think I should because, because the whole thing about what I do is about the people that come to the shows, because mm -hmm. the people that come to see this are just so like taken back in time and they have so much fun and it's a communal thing. And I can't get all wrapped up in like my tone that night or, you know, yeah. if I had a bad, you know, dinner, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just about, I just want to do good and, and make people happy. So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll try if any, if, if anybody has questions about what I do, I'll be happy to answer it. And when I, you know, and all that. And, oh, cool. uh, and if anybody needs a, you know, uh, some guitar, you know, slinging on this West coast and I'm available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've got a lot of listeners in America, so that'd be really good. Cool, cool. All yeah. right. Well, well hopefully we we'll see you down in Australia one time. Yeah, man. I mean, I I had a buddy that came from there, and he's one of my best friends, and he told me how great it was out there. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, even if you come down to Australia for a visit, um, hook me up, and I'll show you around. I I will certainly look you up, man. You're like uh, you know, my first contact, my direct contact out there. But um, yeah. So I'm sure. get the video to work, uh, you know, uh, next time I will, and I'll show you some guitars laying around here. Yeah, that'd be cool next time for sure. Okay, buddy. All right, thanks, Lance. I really appreciate it. And well, Adam, it's a real pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I'd like to do it again, all right? We will, for sure. Okay, Adam, okay. thank you, man. Thank you. See you soon. Okay, bye-bye. So I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Lance. Yeah, it was great finding out all about the, uh, the Van Halen connections and also about learning the songs and how Lance got started and um, 
I really look forward to his new project. So, so once that's out, look out on my Facebook page, and I'll definitely uh, get that one going, and, and hopefully get Lance back on to have a bit of a jam via Skype. Now, like I said at the start of this podcast, next week I do have Billy Sheen on, which I got to see last night at the forum in Melbourne. Now, unfortunately, the interview only goes for about 15 minutes as I got stuck in traffic going to meet Billy in person to to do the interview. But at least, yeah, we got to chat and talk about some really cool things. So I hope you can join me next week for my chat with Billy. So until then, keep jamming.